generally in life, and especially when it comes to mitzvahs, it's really important to complete what you start. We'll see that from an expression in this week's parasha where it says, Kol ha-mitzvah, all the mitzvah, or the entire mitzvah that I've instructed you to do. And Rashi says there are two explanations of that phrase. Kol ha-mitzvah kipshote, it literally could mean all the mitzvahs. Or he explains it could mean that if you begin a mitzvah, you are to complete it because a mitzvah is only credited to the person who finishes it. Like, for example, Moshe did all the work to take Yosef's remains out of Egypt, yet the Jewish people are credited with having buried him in Shechem because Moshe didn't get to finish it. We have a series of questions. Why is Rashi addressing this over here? The expression kolam mitzvah has already been used previously. Why does he just? Why doesn't he just simply say finish a mitzvah that you've started? Why does he use the example of Yosef? Perhaps there are better examples that we could have used in the Torah. And why does he emphasize the fact that Moshe didn't get to finish the mitzvah? And just instead of just saying he didn't finish the mitzvah. Now, if you put it into context, so it sounds like we're talking about what they needed to do to get into Israel. Moshe is speaking at this point shortly before his passing, and it seems a bit strange that we're trying to squeeze in all the mitzvahs that had to be done at that particular time. We don't really know which mitzvahs those are, and the entry to Israel. We're also going to look at the fact that immediately before this, the Torah was speaking about Avodah Zorah, so perhaps that could have been an angle to take. And we'll see how Rashi would prefer to say that all mitzvahs are relevant to get us into Israel, but that leaves a bit of doubt in our, in our minds, which is why he gives the second explanation as well. And what emerges from the second explanation is a whole perspective about finishing a mitzvah, about those people who get credit for mitzvahs that perhaps they didn't even necessarily want to do. And certainly how come it is that if a person has great intentions and really wants to do a mitzvah, but because of circumstances beyond their control, they don't get to finish it, well, that is an unfortunate reality where they don't get the full value of the mitzvah being called by their name. It's relevant to us specifically living in the last generation to greet Mashiach. So, quoting the Pasuk that says, All of the mitzvah that I instruct you to do today, you should go on and do. Rashi, Rashi gives two explanations. Firstly, he says, First translation, Kol HaMitzvah means all the mitzvahs. And then he says, The Medrash says, if you've begun a mitzvah, make sure that you finish. And we'll look at the details of that Medrash shortly. Our question is, So the first thing that should strike you is, if you say, means all the mitzvahs, surely that's, that's good. That's a great explanation. Why is Rashi dissatisfied? Then he has to look for a second explanation and not really a pshat explanation, a midrashic explanation. Why? So, some of the Mephoshim suggest, Biram Mephoshim, Shakoshib Lashon Kola Mitzvah, Mitzvah Lashon Yochid, Mitzvah Achas. Many of the Mephoshim say, because it could have said, Kol Mitzvah, that would have been easy. All of the mitzvahs are relevant, but because it's in the singular, that starts us wondering which mitzvah are you talking about. Whereas on the other hand, the expression kol seems to imply all the mitzvahs, so it's almost contradictory. Kol, everything, ha mitzvah, the singular mitzvah. And that is possibly what Rashi is grappling with over here. So therefore, you've got to try to work out what's going on over here. It sounds like it's saying not every single mitzvah, but every mitzvah that you do. It doesn't seem to make sense. 
אבל עדיין אין אמובן. לפי זה הוי הכוסף צריך לא מקום מצווה ללא ה' ולא כל המצווה. In fact, if the Torah had wanted to say that every מצווה that you do, you have to keep properly, that would have been fine had it said כל מצווה. But once it says ה-מצווה, ה' הידיעה, the definite article makes it sound like either it's all מצווה or it's the מצווה that you know I'm talking about. So therefore the Mephoshim say, that's why Rashi had to give us two different options over here, because there's a, an interpretation that seems to fit the Pshat, and it leaves us with questions, which is why we still need a Medrash. One thing's for sure, that although the first explanation, which is Kol HaMitzvah, understand it literally, it means all the mitzvahs. And even if that leaves you with some niggling questions, it's still closest to the pshat. But because there is that niggling question, why doesn't it just say kol mitzvah or kol ha-mitzvois? That's why Rashi gave us a second explanation, albeit from a medrash. The medrash is looking at the concept of a single mitzvah, which is v'haloshen kol ha-mitzvah kavanoseh sh'tzorch l'asis is ha-mitzvah kulo v'lomiktsis ha-mitzvah. And then the word kol is telling us the single mitzvah that you are doing. Make sure you do it in your entirety. So the first explanation is saying kol mitzvah means pretty much every single mitzvah, although the language is not so great. Therefore, he brings a medrash. The medrash tells us kol ha-mitzvah, whichever mitzvah you are doing currently, do the entire mitzvah. That's what it would seem to be. But if you look at this more carefully, you cannot say that Rashi's issue was just simply the wording, kol ha-mitzvah versus kol mitzvah or kol ha-mitzvois. Why? Because this expression, kol ha-mitzvah, already appears in the previous parasha. And Rashi didn't feel the need to explain the words kol ha-mitzvah, because there it should have the same problem, right? Either it's kol mitzvah or kol ha-mitzvois. And Rashi did not address it in Parashas Vayischanan. That tells you that it's not the language that's bothering him. And therefore you have to say that Rashi is not bothered by the language and the expression kol ha-mitzvah is exactly the same as saying kol ha-mitzvois. No reason to explain it from a linguistic perspective. Which means we're back to square one. What is unusual or difficult to understand about the expression kol dafka in our parasha? That Rashi has to tell you, by the way, the idea that kol could be interpreted literally, I have to tell you, you wouldn't have thought of that. Well, why not? Number two, and even that's not a good enough explanation, I have to bring you a medrash to fill in the gaps. Why? In Parashas Vayishchan, Kol HaMitzvah was straightforward. So what is happening in this parasha that makes us ask more questions? Before we do that, let's have a look at how Rashi describes the Medrash, and we have certain questions about what he tells us from the Medrash. The quotation from the Medrash, which Rashi brings in great detail, goes as follows. If you have started a Mitzvah, says the Medrash, 
Gemara make sure to finish it, says Rashi because the mitzvah will only be attributed to the person who completes it. What's the proof? Because the Pasuk tells us that the remains of Yosef that they had taken from Mitzrayim, the Jews buried in Shechem, and so Rashi says, is it not Moshe himself who was so engaged when everybody else was doing other things? He was the one who didn't go for the great booty, the 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 wealth of Mitzrayim. Instead, he looked to find Yosef to fulfill the promise to take him out of Mitzrayim. He did it alone. And yet, but because Moshe did not manage to complete the mission, because he wasn't allowed into Eretz Yisrael, so somebody had to take over. The Yidin generally took over. That's why the, the burial of Yosef is attributed to the Yidin. So now, there are many things we have to ask about the way Rashi presents us, and we're going to focus on four issues. Number one, when Rashi starts off by saying, if you have begun a mitzvah, you should be sure to complete it. That's all. You don't have to tell me anything more. That already explains the expression, if you start the mitzvah, make sure you do, make sure you do the whole thing. Why is it important for us to know in this context that the person who completes the, mitzvah, the, the, the mitzvah gets the credit for it. Why is that relevant here? Just simply say, kol mitzvah means if you start a mitzvah, finish the mitzvah. Number two, why is the example specifically from Moshe Rabbeinu? That he did not get to complete the mitzvah of bearing Yosef, and therefore the credit goes to the Yidden. Gimel, and following from that, if Rashi's intention over here is to illustrate an example of how serious it is to start a mitzvah and not finish it, why didn't Rashi then just use the example that is quoted in the Gemara and Midrashim about why, about how serious it is not to finish a mitzvah? Which example? That if a person begins a mitzvah and does not complete it, what happens is they demote the person from his position. And worse than that, the person buries their children. Which example is that? From Yehuda, who did not complete the mitzvah. Saving Yosef. So why are we using the example of Moshe? We have a much stronger example if we want to illustrate how important it is not to complete the mitzvah. And number four, What's Rashi wanting to tell us when he uses the expression that Moshe did not manage to complete the mission? Surely Rashi's entire focus is to tell us that the, Mishnah, the mitzvah is attributed to the person who finishes it. What's the difference why Moshe did not finish the mitzvah? The ikar is, he is not given the credit because he didn't finish it. Why is Rashi harping on the fact that he didn't manage to finish it? 
The fact that Rashi Dafka says that, that he did not manage to complete the mitzvah, sounds like Rashi's highlighting the reason why. Be'oines, that it was out of his control. Lo hispik, he didn't manage. Which implies that it wasn't by his choice. Why is that relevant to our conversation? So, we have a number of questions over here, and in order to explain all of them, as is often the case, we have to introduce a new perspective, a new question as well. In order to understand all of this, let's ask a different question. You know, logically, when you're trying to understand what the Torah is saying, the best place to look is in the immediate context. So many of the Mephoshim say the mitzvah that is referred to in this Pasuk is a direct follow-on from what the Torah was speaking about before, which was the prohibition against Avoid Zara. Why doesn't Rashi take the same angle? So what does it say in the Pesukim beforehand? All these various things about destroying Avodah Zorah, not bringing them into your house, etc. Yisur Avodah Zorah, the prohibition against Avodah Zorah, which is a very central mitzvah in Judaism. So many of the Mephoshim say, because what immediately preceded this conversation was a single very important mitzvah. That's why it continues. Call ha mitzvah in the singular because we are talking about this cardinal mitzvah. And that's also why it could be called kol ha mitzvah because it's so fundamental. And that's why it could be called mitzvah without any further adjectives because this is a key mitzvah. As Rashi himself has already told us, Rashi's already told us that Avodah Zorah is equated to all of the mitzvahs, so it's mitzvah which is kol ha mitzvah. And if a person doesn't uh, serve Avodah Zorah, it's like you're keeping all the mitzvahs. That would settle everything. Why doesn't Rashi go this route? It's a brilliant answer. Kol and Ha Mitzvah all rolled into one because it is a single mitzvah. Which one? Ha Mitzvah, the mitzvah we have just discussed. Perfect explanation. Rashi doesn't say that. Why not? The reason Rashi doesn't say that is because Prior to that, what did Rashi say before talking about Avodah Zarah that you'll get into Eretz Yisrael? So that sounds like the whole concept of how to treat Avodah Zarah will only be relevant once you're in Eretz Yisrael. And what Moshe is addressing to the Yidden now is what you have to do to get into Eretz Yisrael. So the chronology is wrong. This is not the mitzvah of Avodah Zarah that he's addressing because that's only going to become relevant later. So what does he say? He tells him you will go into Eretz and Hashem will deliver their leaders, their kings into your hand. And therefore, Umaz Hirami warns them, when you get there, burn their idols. Don't bring any of their disgusting work into your house. Which implies that these laws kick in after they have conquered Eretz Yisrael. 
וממילא אינם מסתבר שכל המצווה כהל הציווה הקודם סילר קנטיס ופון גיימר לא סובי סייבו גיימר ואיפה זה לוגיקל תאצ'י סי דאט אין דיס אקספרשן כל המצווה הוא מתכוון לדעת לאו אב אבי דזרה וואי שהם שחפשו כל המצווה גיימר הוא למען תחיון גיימר ועושים ורישתם עשר ארץ because the flow over here is keep all of the mitzvah I'm telling you now so that you'll get into Eretz Yisrael היינו שאל ידי זה שתשפון לסס אז כל המצווה תחיו וסיסקו ולא ולאחר מכן לרשת את ארץ ישראל. So that tells us clearly that whatever is included in כל המצווה is to get us into ארץ ישראל. That will give us the schus to conquer the land. Whereas בו בשור שהציווי מהקודם מסייחסים לזמן שיבואי לאחר באוסן וישנה מסוארץ. Whereas talking about destroying אבוי דזרה will only become relevant after they, they enter Eretz Yisrael. So it's not logical to say that the kol ha-mitzvah you have to do now to get into Eretz Yisrael is the mitzvah avoid the Zorah, which is only relevant once you're in Eretz Yisrael. Even though you could try and force an answer and say he's talking generically about Avodah Zorah, not specifically about how to treat Avodah Zorah in Eretz Yisrael, the fact is it's not really clear and it wouldn't really make sense in Pshat that you'd be referring to something that's only going to happen later and say this is what you have to start focusing on now. So, now we understand why Rashi has to explain the Pasuk. And Dafka to tell us it's Pshat. Don't think like the other Mephoshim that it's referring to Avodah Zorah. It's Pshat, which means... When did Moshe Rabbeinu start saying Sefer Devarim, the Mishnah Torah, Rosh Chodesh Shvat, which is what, five and a bit weeks before he's, he's going to pass away? Which gives us context. That this parasha was said at the earliest on Rosh Chodesh Shvat and very likely later than Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Why is that relevant? Because now we have a whole different perspective. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them, the mitzvahs that I tell you today to do, those are the mitzvahs to get you into Eretz Yisrael. Suddenly that, that margin has completely reduced. Where is this happening? When is this happening? When is he telling them these mitzvahs? Somewhere between Rosh Chodesh Shvat and Zayin Odor. I know. Shebizchuskim kol ha-mitzvah, kol ha-mitzvah, yizkolo reshes es Eretz Yisrael. So generically, if I go with Pshat, as, the, as Rashi first says, ki Pshutoi, what's he telling you? All the mitzvahs that you've been told to do, they are the way that you get into Eretz Yisrael. If that's the case, nimtza shakos of kol ha-mitzvah enei muvon. The truth then is that the expression kol ha-mitzvah doesn't seem to be clear. Remember, the Torah will always try to tell us things in the clearest way possible. And now that we're looking at the time frame when Moshe is referring to the mitzvahs, I tell you today, those are the mitzvahs to get you into Eretz Yisrael, start wondering which mitzvahs. So let's look at it inside. So, whichever way we're going to look at it, it's going to be odd. If you take it generically, pshat, kol mitzvah, all 613 mitzvahs get you into Eretz Yisrael, is that even feasible? Are they going to get to do all the 613 mitzvahs now? 
And through that, while we measure the man Zesh, when Tchilas Chayyus Shvat Echnisa LaOretz Lo Yochlo LeKaima Elo Misma Mod Matarik Mitzvus. We're talking about a a few weeks over here from Rosh Chayyus Shvat that we get into Eretz Yisrael Nissan time. They can't do all the 613 mitzvahs during that period. It's not possible. They definitely cannot do any mitzvah which is linked to being in Eretz Yisrael, which is a good portion of the mitzvahs. And a whole lot of mitzvahs that are time-specific, and it's not the right time of the year. They're not going to do lulav. They're not going to do shofar. So... It doesn't seem to make sense. Yes, the pshat of the expression kol ha mitzvah means all the mitzvahs, but the time frame doesn't work. So what's Moshe telling me? You need to do all 613 mitzvahs to get into Eretz Yisrael and you got like six, eight weeks to do it. Doesn't make sense. Now, you might say, oh, no, no, no. Moshe wasn't saying you have to do all the mitzvahs to get into Eretz Yisrael. He was saying you've got to do all the mitzvahs I'm telling you today in order to get into Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> if you want to suggest that that's the explanation, there are going to be three issues that you have to contend with. When we come at time, and what are the issues? Aleph. What logical explanation could there be to say that there's something about the mitzvahs you'll do today, that these are the mitzvahs that get you into the land? Why? What's about today? What's unique about today? Number two, we know from a number of places in the Torah that when the Torah uses the word Hayom, it's not talking about a date that happened in history on the calendar. It actually means you're supposed to read it in the present tense as if you're being told this information today. Do it today. We're talking in the present tense. And so therefore, the Hayom today could refer to any and every mitzvah. As we know, right at the end of Pashas Vaishchanan, what does it say? And we all know very well how we explain that. That it means Hayoim, that every single day in this life, in Olam Azeh, we have to do all the mitzvahs. So please don't try and say that kola mitzvah actually means the mitzvahs you were told this day, those are the ones you have to do. That's not how we translate the word Hayoim. And of course, Torah doesn't speak in riddles. Gimel. Let's say that the day where the mitzvahs were given that are most relevant to get into Eretz Yisrael was the day of Moshe's speech of Parshas Ekev on Rosh Chodesh Shvat or thereafter. Then you have a very obvious question. We don't know which day Moshe was speaking, and we don't know which mitzvahs were told on that day. And one thing we know for sure is the Torah does not come to confuse us. It says things to be clear. Therefore, Rashi has no choice but to say that that the words is not Avodah that particular mitzvah, because that makes no sense, that the mitzvah of Avodah which will be relevant after the get into Eretz Yisrael, should be the way they get into Eretz Yisrael. And he doesn't want to say that Metzavcha uh, Hayoy means that there's something spectacular that happened on this particular day, because we wouldn't know what that is, and it would go against the normal pshat of how we translate Hayoyim. Therefore, he says, what does Kola Mitzvah mean? Kipshutai, all mitzvahs. Therefore, 
Therefore, Rashi is satisfied to say, Kola mitzvah, even though the word is in singular, it's not unusual in the Torah to use a singular word to refer to a whole group, like tsoin, referring to many sheep, mitzvah, referring to many mitzvahs. Even though there are other niggling questions, as we said right from the beginning, why is it kol ha-mitzvah, not kol mitzvah, or kol ha-mitzvois? And therefore, according to the first angle that Rashi takes on Kola Mitzvah, he's effectively saying that it means all the mitzvahs which are practical to do in the time between now and getting in, into Eretz Yisrael, those are the mitzvahs you have to do to earn your way into the land. But we will still have our questions. Because it does seem a bit uncomfortable, a little bit unclear, that kolam mitzvah should be a generic term that includes all mitzvahs on the one hand, and yet, in context, we're actually talking about just a small amount of mitzvahs that they could have done over the next few weeks. So that doesn't sit so well, right? Because kipshuto means it's all the mitzvahs. And practically, it's not all the mitzvahs. It's only the mitzvahs they could do over the next few weeks. That's why Rashi is not satisfied with kipshuto as the final explanation. And therefore... Therefore, Rashi has to give a second possibility, which means kol ha mitzvah. Every mitzvah you should do, do it fully, start to finish. If you begin a mitzvah, make sure to complete it. Because that would at least settle the issue of kol ha mitzvah being a generic term for all mitzvahs, and instead explain that it's actually meaning each mitzvah should be whole and complete. Why here? Why now? Let's go with that medrash, and it's a beautiful insight, but why is it relevant to this conversation? Why is it relevant to telling us about getting into Eretz Yisrael? Because the pshat is, do all the mitzvahs you can possibly do to earn your place in Eretz Yisrael. Now you're flying off on a tangent, apparently, and saying, oh, and also kol mitzvah could mean, if you're doing a mitzvah, make sure to complete it. Why would that be relevant to this conversation? Avleni moving. What would the link be between the, the instruction that you should always complete a mitzvah and the message that they're going into Eretz Yisrael? Which basically, if you put it all together, sounds like it's saying in the merit of finishing mitzvahs, that's how you get into Eretz Yisrael. In order to explain that, Rashi had to give us the full details of what the Medrash said and with the particular language choices that he selected. As we'll see, we'll unpack all the details of this Medrash. So before we can do this, let's understand something about getting into Eretz Yisrael. We understand that getting into Eretz Yisrael also, as, Rashi, as Moshe says very clearly over here, had to do with our mitzvahs. Now, there's a history, of course, right? This is the generation that's about to go into Eretz Yisrael, but prior to that was a generation who fell out with the idea. They bought the story of the Miraglim, they lost hope, and as a result of that, they lost their opportunity to get into Eretz Yisrael. Now, we have to start wondering 
about was everybody homogenous? Was everybody on the same page when there may be some Yidin over there who already didn't buy the Miraglim story and wanted to get into Eretz Yisrael, but they were swept up in the Gezerah or vice versa? Maybe there were Yidin right here who still were skeptical about going into Eretz Yisrael, but they happened to be the fortunate few who were of the next generation and they were going in. So to understand the notion of getting into Eretz Yisrael and getting into Eretz Yisrael, Dafka as a result of mitzvahs is going to have a lot to do with this principle of who finishes the mitzvah and who gets its credit. And we know that the main reason the Yidin got into Eretz Yisrael is because Hashem had promised the Avos that we would get into Eretz Yisrael. It's very clear though that in addition to Hashem's promise to the Avos, He also expected us to earn our rights into Eretz Yisrael through doing mitzvahs. And that's clearly what Moshe communicates in this Pasuk. Great proof. Yes, Hashem had promised the Avos that their descendants would go into Eretz Yisrael, but look, here's a group who because of their behavior and because of their lack of avoider, their rejection of Eretz Yisrael following the story of the Miraglim, they didn't go in. So, as a whole, Jews will go into Eretz Yisrael. Specifically, different pockets of Jews may not get into Eretz Yisrael or may earn the place in Eretz Yisrael. That's what the Pasuk wants us to know over here. Look, the generation that preceded this generation who spent 40 years in the desert, they also did mitzvahs as well. And they assisted so that there would be an entrance in Eretz Yisrael because all the mitzvahs are cumulative. So the mitzvahs they did in the Midbar help get the Yidin over the finish line into the land. Nevertheless, the mitzvah is attributed to who? To that group, this next generation, who completed the Avoida and actually entered the land. Look at what Moshe says. He says, so you, this generation, the your generation, your mitzvahs are going to make a difference to get you into the land. Almost discounting all of the mitzvahs that came from 40 years before that. It's your mitzvahs now that are going to make it happen. In other words, whoever completes the mitzvah gets the credit for it. So, that explains what Rashi wants us to know, that whoever begins a mitzvah has to complete it, learned from this scenario. The Pasuk is illustrating to us that on what merit did the Yidin actually enter Eretz Yisrael? The merit of who not the generation that preceded them that did many, many, many mitzvahs and got us all the way to a certain point. But Dafka, because of the mitzvahs of those who, what? Now, in the final generation, we're going to cross the border. Now that you see that, you see the Medrash is not at loggerheads with the first explanation. The first explanation is all the mitzvahs that you could do during this time, go ahead and do them because they're going to get you into Eretz Yisrael. And the Medrash says, because that's how it works. Because that's how mitzvahs work. They always depend on who gets to complete them. So in other words... Um, <clears throat> 
לפי שאף לפי פרש המדרש הגודל. כוונס הכוסף אין רק למצווה אחס, אלא כל אחס מכל המצווה. כל המצווה שקיימו בני סוף במשך הבואים שונים במדמר, נחשבויס כמצווה הדוי שגומרס המצווה לפני הכניסה לארץ, because basically what the medrash is illustrating to us is, you think these few mitzvahs you're going to do over these few weeks are going to be the thing? No, there are many mitzvahs that preceded it. But whoever completes the job, that's who gets the credit. So it's not just your mitzvahs of between Rosh Chodesh Shvat and Rosh Chodesh Nisan that are going to get you into Eretz Yisrael, but they're going to be the ones that are noted, that are given, so to speak, the credit. Now that's going to raise a really big question because, as we said before, the people are not homogenous, so it seems almost like it may not be fair. Now you're going to have a question. We understand those Jews who bought the story of the Miraglim and they did not want to go into Israel. We understand why whatever mitzvahs they had done in the Midbar are no longer attributed to them as their contribution to get into Eretz. So we get it because they didn't want to go, because they lost hope. So their mitzvahs are taken, so to speak, from them and put onto the cheshbon of those who would actually enter Eretz Yisrael. Because it's logical, they didn't want in, and they actually delayed the process of getting into Eretz Yisrael. So it's not, it doesn't make any sense that their mitzvahs should be counted as reason to get into Eretz Yisrael. We get that. But what about the others? Because there must have been Jews at the time who were part of that age group, that generation, but they didn't believe the Miraglim, and they really wanted to get into Eretz Yisrael, but they were swept up in the collective punishment, so to speak. Because they were the age group who was not allowed in. So, why don't we at least count their mitzvah contributions as a reason and cause for Yidin getting into Eretz Yisrael? Or you could argue the, the opposite, same logic, just in the opposite direction. What if a person was younger than 20 years old at the time of the Miraglim and still did not want to get into Eretz Yisrael? It's just that they were young enough not to be punished and so they get into Eretz Yisrael. Why should they get credit that their mitzvahs are considered part of what got the Yidin into Eretz Yisrael when they didn't want to be there? That's why Rashi specifically uses the example of Moshe Rabbeinu and not just that. But he dafka highlights the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to complete the mitzvah, but he couldn't. And therefore, in spite of his good intentions, it's not attributed to him. That's relevant to this conversation. Says Rashi, Rashi points out two things. Moshe's absolute enthusiasm to start the mitzvah, he was the only one involved in getting Yosef's remains, and the fact that he couldn't complete the mitzvah for no fault of his own. Which teaches us two things. Firstly, it teaches us So firstly, Moshe shows us it doesn't matter. Nobody's blaming him. Nobody's accusing him. Nobody's deriding him. 
But the fact is, he doesn't get the claim on the mitzvah because he didn't get to finish it. And Beis Vadech Zelidech, the other way too, Av Shamoisha Levadinis Asik Bohem, Hainisha Elam Yetzimitzaim Akhtanim Esim Shanasha Hem Shalacharmik Nichnis Asim Sayyidim Yisrael, the Kofim Mishrem. So, what happened? In the beginning, Moshe Rabbeinu was the only person involved in getting Yosef's remains out. And those youngsters who now were going to go into Eretz Yisrael and bury him, they were not interested at the time that Moshe was doing this project. They had no interest in participating and assisting. So they didn't get involved in taking Yosef's remains. Nevertheless, the fact is they realistically buried him and therefore they get the credit. So you can take these two concepts and apply them to Eretz Yisrael. Just like Moshe does not get the final credit for burying Yosef, so those Yidin who rebelled against the advice of the Miraglim but were stuck in the, an age group that didn't get them into Eretz Yisrael, so it is unfortunate, and it's not any fault of theirs, but they still do not count as those who made it happen. And and just as the people who were totally disinterested in helping to get Yosef's remains out of Mitzrayim, they at the end landed up being the ones to bury, they get the credit. Just like those youngsters who might have been skeptical after hearing the Miraglim, but the fact is they actually crossed over into Eretz Yisrael. Now we understand why Rashi's highlight over here was that if a person completes a mitzvah, he gets the mitzvah called after him. The prime example of that is Moshe. And Rashi does not highlight the idea that if a person starts a mitzvah and doesn't complete it, he gets demoted and bad things happen to him, which would have been proven from Yehuda. Why? Because Rashi's intention over here is not to talk about how bad it is not to complete a mitzvah that you've started. Because Rashi says what's relevant in this conversation is who gets the attribution of completing the mitzvah? Who gets the value of getting us into Eretz Yisrael, the people at the end? Even if we have no blame for the person who did not complete the mitzvah. In the case of Yehuda, there is an accusation. In the case of Moshe, there's no accusation. It was out of his control that's Rashi's point. It has nothing to do with a person's intention. It has only to do with practically who finished it. Based on this, we can settle what seems to be an imbalance in Rashi. If we didn't have this information, we might have thought that the beginning and the end of the Rashi actually don't align. Now that we have this information, they align beautifully. It would appear at first glance that the beginning and end of Rashi don't speak the same language. At the beginning, Rashi quoted the Medrash that says, if you begin a mitzvah, you should finish it. What's the emphasis? The importance of finishing what you've started. Right? That's what it sounds like. It's telling you, you have an obligation to complete something that you began. And then he continues, by telling us that the mitzvah is only attributed to the person who completes it. It sounds like 
It's giving you good advice. Not that you have to finish it, but if you want to be the one who carries the the value, the yichus of having completed the mitzvah, you want it named after you, do it to the end. Which implies that if you don't really care for the attribution for the yichus, then don't finish the mitzvah and it's nishkefelach. So which one is it? Are you dafka meant to work to complete a mitzvah like the first part of Rashi implies? Or is it just a good to have so people will know you're the person, you're the one who did it, as the last part of Rashi implies? So at first glance, it seemed unbalanced, but now we have perspective and it actually fits beautifully. What is Rashi telling us? The link between the idea of completing a mitzvah and our conversation about the that they get the credit even though they didn't necessarily do all the mitzvahs that led up until that point. That tells us that actually if you're the person who's begun a mitzvah, surely you have to try and finish it. Rashi is not um, ignoring that or denying that. All he's telling us, I'll tell you something more interesting, that if a person finishes the mitzvah, even if the first person who started the mitzvah landed up in a situation outside of his control and therefore couldn't finish it, like those Yidden who really didn't want to follow the Miraglim, but they were in the wrong generation and couldn't enter Eretz Israel, no fault of their own. Or Moshe Rabbeinu, who couldn't finish the mitzvah, no fault of his. That's the Chiddush that Rashi wants us to understand, is that the mitzvah will always be assigned to the person who completes it. He is not diminishing the fact that if you start a mitzvah, you actually have an obligation to finish it. Let's take this deeper. Let's find something amazing in what Rashi says. Rashi chooses the language which the Medrash uses. A mitzvah is only attributed to the person who completes it, which is different to the language of the Gemara. The Gemara says that the, we, the Torah considers whoever finished the mitzvah as if he had done the whole mitzvah. So the Gemara sounds like it's you get credit. Rashi and the Medrash sound like it has no other value except for the person who completes it. So we have to understand why is the language that Rashi has chosen that the mitzvah is only attributed to the one who completes it. Why is that closer to the Pshat of our Pasuk more than what the Gemara says it's considered like you did the mitzvah? Parenthetically, Generally, you might have asked a broader question. Why is Rashi actually quoting the Medrash here, not the Gemara, just generally in this context? Because, Simple answer. The Gemara there was not commenting on this Pasuk, and the Gemara was not speaking specifically about Mitzvahs. It said anything that you begin. 
Whereas the Medrash Dafka used the word mitzvah and in context of this particular Pasuk. So we understand then why Rashi used the Medrash because he is talking about this Pasuk and he would like to talk about mitzvahs. Okay, let's get back to our primary thing. Why is the Lashon that the mitzvah is only attributed to the person who finished it better suited to this Pasuk? Yeshleimer will explain as follows. In our scenario, even though we're attributing the mitzvah to the one who completes it, so those Yidin who reached the point of entering out Israel, they're the ones who get, so to speak, the merit of earning their place in Israel. It wouldn't make any sense to make it sound like it is them as if they did the mitzvah. What does that mean? Because that expression, makes it sound like they did everything and the preceding people had no value. So that would be like saying burying Yosef and Shechem totally neutralizes all Moshe's efforts. Or the their mitzvahs totally negate the mitzvahs of the preceding generations. That wouldn't fit this pasuk or the pshat in this section. To put it differently, the two factors to consider. When we say that the person gets the credit because they completed the mitzvah, we're talking about the impact on them. But as we already pointed out, the person who began the mitzvah did have the responsibility to try and finish it. If he, for whatever reason, did not complete the mitzvah, we don't now take away the value of what he did. He still has some mitzvah. That der hamidbar still has their mitzvahs. Which has a practical lesson for us. The straightforward expression which says, if you have begun a mitzvah, make sure that you complete it. From that, from that, it's implying that kol ha-mitzvah is an instruction, a positive instruction. When you have a mitzvah at hand, do it to fulfillment. We're definitely not suggesting that if you start a mitzvah which you're not sure you could finish, maybe don't start it. No, we're only focusing on the positive. If you've started a mitzvah, go for it. Keep pushing until you complete it. And with that in mind, we could understand what Rashi quoted from the Gemara in Parshas Vayeschanan about Moshe separating the first three of the Ore Miklot, which were to the east of the Yarden. Says Rashi, Even though those Ore Miklot would have no purpose, they would be completely... Um, ineffective until the other Ari Miklat was set up inside Eretz Yisroel. Moshe Rabbeinu said, if I have the opportunity to do a mitzvah, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to make a cheshman of whether it's going to be completed. If I can complete, I have a chance to do a mitzvah, I'm doing it. In fact, not only did Moshe have a doubt, he knew for sure that he couldn't complete the mitzvah because he knew for sure that he would not be the one to assign the Ari Miklat in Eretz Yisrael. 
That proves to us that starting a mitzvah is relevant and starting a mitzvah is considered part of the mitzvah. Even if you know you're not going to finish it, right? It is not our responsibility to complete a mitzvah. To, obviously, we have to do our best, but it's not our responsibility if things go beyond our control. But you don't have the choice to pause and not do the mitzvah. I'll move on. So now we can understand a whole different issue in halacha. And the, the fact that this issue in halacha has really nothing to do with our conversation. Our particular conversation is not part of a different well-known halachic banter. Whole debate. If a person has the opportunity to do part of a mitzvah, are they required to do it? Let's say for argument's sake, the mitzvah on Pesach is that you're supposed to eat a full kazayas of matzah. That's what you're mechuyev. You have a responsibility to do it. Now, eating half a a kazayas. Is that already part of the mitzvah or not? Is it totally irrelevant until you hit a kazayas? Or is it part of the process of the mitzvah? So don't try and use our conversation over here to, to prove a point in that conversation. Because first of all, Rashi does not give the impression that starting a mitzvah is meaningless if you don't finish it. Besides that, there's a very big distinction between what we're discussing here and what the, the Gemara or other Mephoshim are discussing there. They're talking about an individual's chiyuv, an individual's responsibility to do a mitzvah. How much value, so to speak, is there if you start part way? We're talking about a mitzvah that is a mitzvah saklal. Everybody has to pitch in. So, that whole debate is about an individual. You, as an individual, have a mitzvah. What's your mitzvah? To fulfill the whole kazais of matzah by yourself. So now we have a question. When you get to halfway, is that relevant or not yet? But the examples we're talking about, burying Yosef, getting into Eretz Yisrael, those are not mitzvahs directed at any single individual. But the person practically was the one who began to do the mitzvah. And now that somebody has stepped up to the plate and started a mitzvah which is actually directed at the community, then we say so if you've started it, finish it once you, the person who stepped up to the plate you now carry the responsibility to finish it let's use the example of Moshe and Yosef's remains who was responsible to do the mitzvah? That was an instruction, a request that Yosef gave to the Bnei Yisrael generically. The whole community has a responsibility to get Yosef to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. Which means that the oath that he administered to the community affected the whole Jewish world equally. 
But once Moshe Rabbeinu stepped up to the plate and started to transfer Yosef's remains, now we turn to Moshe Rabbeinu and we say, You chose to be the one to represent us and you've started the mitzvah. Finish it. And Moshe Rabbeinu could not fulfill the mitzvah completely because of circumstances outside of his control. So now the responsibility goes back to the community. So when the community bury Yosef, we say it's their mitzvah because it always was their mitzvah. And there's a logic behind it, a simple logic. When you have a mitzvah that belongs to the entire community and then somebody steps up, Moshe Rabbeinu starts doing it, he becomes their shliach. So therefore, as a shliach, we expect that a shliach will fulfill the responsibility that he has. You now started, you became the shliach, finish it. And if he can't, somebody else has to step in. If a shliach is on his way and he dies, another shliach is going to take over. So that's the logic of here. Don't compare it to if you're sitting down to eat matzah, when you personally have a requirement to eat matzah. And now we want to know if half a shear of the matzah is yet considered any part of the mitzvah. This is a different case. We can also apply this, by the way, to a very fascinating insight into the two and a half shvatim, Reuven God and the half of Menashe who wanted to live to the east of, of the Yardin, and Moshe Rabbeinu made a fascinating deal with them. Not only did they have to be part of the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, but the deal was specifically they had to be the leading pack. They had to take the campaign to conquer Eretz Yisrael from the front. Why? Why them, Dafka? Why Dafka in the front? Why is it not just good enough to say be part of the conquest? The same logic applies to Reuven. When they asked Moshe Rabbeinu, Please let us have this portion of land as our inheritance. It's great for our flocks. Don't make us have to go across the Yardin. Moshe first said to them, what, your, your brethren are going to go to war and you're going to sit here enjoying the green pastures of the Transjordan? What did they reply? We'll go in the front. We'll lead the charge. Then Kibbal Moshe Then Moshe accepted and he reiterated, If you do that, if you lead the charge, then you deserve this land. And he warned them. He said, If you don't, if you don't be the forward guard of the conquest of Eretz Canaan, you know how bad your Avera is. Now, you could ask a simple question. We get it. They volunteered to be the forward, the advanced God. Why was Moshe so sharp with them? He should have said, thank you, that's amazing. You're going to lead the charge. Beautiful. Instead, Moshe says, and if you don't, you have sinned. Why? Why have they sinned? 
That implies that even if they fought shoulder to shoulder with the other Yidin, it would not be good enough, and they dafka had to be in the front. Why? But based on what we've just explained, that when you have a responsibility of the community and somebody steps up as their shliach, he has to finish it. We could say that that's the exact logic that was applied over here to the Bnei God and Bnei Ruven. If you've begun a mitzvah, you have to finish the mitzvah. What do you mean? Obviously, the mitzvah to conquer Eretz Yisrael applies to every single Jew equally and is a communal responsibility. As soon as Moshe Rabbeinu gave the green light that Bnei God and Bnei Ruven could get the land of Sichon and Oig, that became part of Eretz Yisrael, which means that means that the minute they were allocated this land, the conquest of Eretz Yisrael had begun retroactively, right? Because they had already destroyed Sichon and Oik. So they had already conquered. But the fact is, the conquest of Eretz Yisrael had already begun. This, by the way, will explain something that appears to be contradictory in Rashi, that on the one hand he says, as soon as it came to the story of giving Bnei God of Bnei Ruven, they land, Moshe thought, oh, maybe that's it, maybe now I'm excused from being blocked from Eretz Yisrael. I know meaning, In other words, that the fact that he conquered Sichon and Oig did not make Moshe believe that maybe Hashem had been, uh, you know, was w- willing to forgive and, and allow him into Eretz Yisrael. But Dafka, after he allocated them the land, Dafka, after he gave it to them as their land, because now look, now look at that, we're already in Eretz Yisrael. Whereas in another place, Rashi says that it's because he conquered Sichon and Oig. That's why he thought that the, the promise banning him from Israel had been lifted. Why the contradiction? Because once B'nai God of B'nai got this land as their inheritance, now it became part of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore, now you could look retroactively, and Moshe could say, oh, so you mean when I conquered this land, I was actually conquering Eretz Yisrael, maybe that was when Hashem lifted the nadir. Coming back specifically to the deal, the negotiation between Moshe and Bnei God and Bnei Ruben. If Bnei God and Bnei Ruben now are getting land which is already considered Eretz Yisrael, that means that they have begun, they're the ones who've begun the conquest of Eretz Yisrael. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu turns to them and he says, Ah, so you're the ones who started Kibosh Eretz Yisrael. If you're the ones who began the conquest, then you have to be in the front of the conquest of the rest of Eretz Yisrael. And if not, that's like a person who begins, begins a mitzvah and then suddenly quits in the middle. So therefore, when they asked to get Sichon and Oig's territory as their inheritance, as Shiva Moshe, Moshe said to them, okay, you want now that this is now your piece of Eretz Israel. 
needed them to know you have now undertaken the role of the one who begins the community's mitzvah. Therefore, it won't be good enough going forward from here on for you to assist everybody else in their conquest. You started the kibush. You have to complete the kibush. You have to be there in front of everybody else because you are the ones who are required now to finish the kibush. Because you now have a unique responsibility to conquer this land more than any other Jew. What does it mean to us? What does all of this teach us? There's deep beauty in this Rashi and direct relevance to us in our times. According to all of the signs that we have been given, our generation is the generation to greet Mashiach. We are very shortly going to leave the Golos with Mashiach. So for us, we apply the same uh, concept as we apply to Dosha Nikhnasula Oretz. The mitzvah is attributed to the person who completes it. Even though those people who came before us, previous generations, they did many, many mitzvahs and they did mitzvahs that were in a far, far better way even than what we had done. So they, perhaps you'd think, they really are the ones who deserve to get all the credit. Right? They did the mitzvahs in such an amazing way. The bottom line is the mitzvah will be attributed to the one who completes it. It's us who finish the last tiny little bits of Avoida in the generation before Mashiach comes. We get the value as if we did it all. Now, the, how should that affect and inspire us? That should encourage us, it should inspire us, it should motivate us to do more, to keep adding, to be able to bring Moshiach. On the other hand, but don't become complacent. If you've started the mitzvah, you need to complete the mitzvah. Every one of us is going to get the credit of bringing Moshiach, even though so much work went in for so many generations, far greater than us. We'll get the credit on the one hand, and on the other hand, don't allow that to be a source of complacency. We know very well the letter of the Baal Shem Tov, that when he asked Mashiach, when are you coming? Mashiach said, when your wellsprings spread out. And therefore we carry the responsibility to spread that Mayonis Chutza to the whole Jewish world. Now that's for every person. But there's a specific lesson for those people who have already started People who began spreading chesidus, but maybe have become a little bit more complacent. 
מתוך מחשבה שיכול להם לא יסיר אס המשך העבודה עבור אחר, ודאי בכך שישראל בעצם טבע וכיוצא בזה. Person can think, you know, there's others now, other people have come into their own, let me give them an opportunity, I'll give them direction, guidance, whatever. That's the lesson. If you, the one who began a mitzvah, make sure you finish it. If you had the privilege of starting to spread chesidus, you still have the privilege and the responsibility to continue to do so, no matter how many other people are involved. Particularly if you want to get all the brachas, the beautiful brachas that David has for people who engage in this work, the bracha that comes specifically through the Rebbe. As soon as a person makes the commitment that I'm going to spread Torah and specifically chesidus, the helps us and gives us all the strength that we need to overcome whatever obstacles might be. And together with all the Yidin together, we'll complete that mitzvah of spreading chesidus all over the world, spreading Torah. And we'll bring Mashiach now.